Greetings and welcome to Fresh Text, a weekly podcast where a couple of scripture students engage the lectionary text for the upcoming Sunday, swap some uh, insights and ideas and develop the beginnings of some sermons. We hope this will be helpful to all who listen in, especially pastors and preachers and teachers who are preparing uh, lessons and sermons for others. But for anyone who listens along, we hope that it would be edifying and equipping and enjoying enjoyable for you all. Um, I'm your regular host, John Drury, and I have a special guest with me this week, Judy Crossman. Judy teaches pastoral care for Indiana Wesleyan uh, University in the School of Theology and Ministry. She teaches undergraduates and a few grad students as well. For years, she was uh, a pastor on the staff at College Wesleyan Church, which is my home church. And uh, pastor and leader there for uh, well over a decade. Um, Prior to that, she uh, served as a counselor as well as a a teacher of counseling um, at IWU prior to her years as a pastor. Um, So she has background in academics, in counseling, and in theology and ministry. So she's kind of uh, the, the whole package, as it were. And Judy is definitely one of my mentors and teachers and one of the most important people in my life uh, in so many ways that are hard to express. So I'm deeply grateful to her for everything she's done in my life over the years and uh, deeply grateful to her as well for giving an hour of her time to geek out with me and uh, chat prayerfully a bit about the word for this week. So uh, the text for this week uh, is for the sixth Sunday of Easter, and that would be uh, let's see, May 26th is when that, that's not when this drops, but that's the Sunday that we're preparing for here. And the passage is John verse 14, or excuse me, chapter 14, verses 23 through 29. So this is for year C, so that lectionary has like this three-year rhythm. It's for Easter and it's week, uh, I can't remember which week number, but I wrote down the, I gave you the text, but (laughs) it's, uh, yeah, John chapter 14, 14, 23, yeah, 23 through, didn't go all the way to the end, yeah, it ended, yeah, yeah. not sure why, but we'll just trust it and see where it goes, Um, 23 through 29, so John chapter 14, 25 through 29. Would you be willing to read? Did I say 25? Uh My bad. 23 (laughs) through 29. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Would you be willing to read the passage? And then I'll say a prayer and we'll chat. Okay. Sure. Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. 
Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. You heard me saying, I am going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. There it is, the word of the Lord. (laughs) Thanks be to God. Let me say a word of prayer for our time. Father, we give you thanks for this day which you have made. Grant us the grace to rejoice and be glad in it. Father, we give you thanks for this hour to which we have been sent with gifts and with tasks. Oh God, please grant us the grace to receive whatever gift you have for us this hour and the power to fulfill whatever task it is you have for us this hour, even if it's a little different than we imagined. Father, thank you for this moment in which you are present. God, please grant us the grace to be aware of your presence in each moment. And now may the words of our mouths and the meditations of all our hearts, both Judy and I and all those listening in, be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, we've kind of gotten in the rhythm with this um, podcast to kind of move in a kind of three-part structure, like read and pray and then just make some initial observations and then take a break, which is just a breath for us. And then we, <laughs> and then maybe get into some interpreting questions, get in a little deeper. And then in the third part, kind of, okay, if we were going to preach this, like, where would we go with that? Maybe like a theme or an outline or, you know, just kind of, so, so it's not like you can't talk about how you would teach or preach it right away, but Mm -hmm. we're trying to, you know, not rush to that, but just kind of enjoy the text for a while. Yeah. So that's the basic structure. So I just always ask guests first right away is what jumps out at you? What stands Mm -hmm. out at you? (laughs) Yeah, I think, um, I, because peace, I leave with you, my peace, I give you that that's a passage that my whole life I've clung to. Uh, but something somehow in the reading this time, uh, putting in in the context a little bit more of both who Jesus is and his presence, and that this is much more about um, peace in a in a larger understanding of of God's presence with us. Um, it's it's not peace in my circumstances nearly as much as peace deep within my soul that no matter what life carries, I have an assurance that God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit mm. are with me. And and that, I don't know why, but that struck me a little differently this time. Yeah, you're right. There's the reference to all the persons in God mm-hmm. right there around it. Yeah. And um, yeah, there's that reference in uh, towards the end of 23 that really brings that home right where at the end of 23 when it says that you know my father will love him and we will come like the the, yeah, the plural yeah, is yeah. just striking there because it doesn't happen a lot in this passage but we the father and i i guess he's saying we will come and you know make our home huh. with him and that's you so know? interesting because i've I, 
just as you were starting to read it, it the the we hit me also because I just of late I've been you know I've I've for decades believed that we were given the Holy Spirit He dwells dwells in us and only in the last few years have been have I been understanding that Jesus dwells in me and this right now right this yeah. moment is the first time I've thought. Wait, God also <laughs> dwells in me. What do you mean? All three of them are in me? Yeah. Is that possible? Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> oh if they can all goodness. three be, well, all three are I mean, in, they're all in each other. Anyway, yes. And in each other. Mm-hmm. So, the, it, I mean, it seems that, because of course, I mean, at first glance, Jesus is kind of talking out two sides of his mouth because he's saying, right. I'm leaving. I'm going. And yes. that's why you have to have the spirit. Right. So... So he, there's some truth in the sense of it that, that your your initial instinct you said ten years ago that it was the spirit that's with right. us that it's kind of sequential father Old Testament Jesus New Testament yes. spirit now that's not false but it's only one side because right. you could say that the spirit is the way in which the father and the son make their mm-hmm. home in us maybe would maybe. be a way of saying it so that so it is the spirit through whom or in whom the father and the son are in us. Right. Well, and but I've truly, always, fully yeah, but in I, us, not at a distance. Be, right. right. I've always believed the first part. Yeah. That, you know, that's the way they are in us yeah. through him. But somehow, just so now, striking. it was like, whoa, it's maybe more than that. Yeah. Even. I mean, there, I, yeah, I can't and, possibly get my head around it. But um, well, the way I just put it is not in the text. So I mean, the text yeah. is just much more bold. Yes. Father and son. You know, we Dwelling will in us. Make our home. Make our home too. It's not just, it's not merely abiding, but making their home. And no wonder, no wonder then it's so important that we're obedient. Yeah, because that's the. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. I mean, obedience is the starting point here. And, and as we are obedient, my father loves us. Mm -hmm. And, and then we come and make our home in him. And, and, in in some ways, it does um, make obedience more. I mean, yet yeah, yes, it, we obey out of love, not duty, but we also now in this obey out of hospitality. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, the making of the home. <laughs> you know, my 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 stepkids. It was a serendipitous thing, but. At a very last minute, we found out they were going to, that they could come for lunch, all like 12 people, right at the last minute. So they were doing something. We ran to get some food. And I said to them, give me five minutes. Mm-hmm. Give me just five minutes yeah. in my house before you come in. <laughs> and um, and it, because I, I mean, it wouldn't have been wrong for them to come in with my mess, but I wanted it not to be as messy yeah. as it was. And I mean, that's sort of what obedience becomes then for the Father. I want my life, my soul um, to be spacious and inviting to Him, you know, not not cluttered with things of the world. Um, yeah. Yeah, it makes mm-hmm. me think of Isaiah 6, right, where He mm-hmm. enters into the presence and... Yeah. He's like, oh, whoa! I'm a man of unclean lips, and, exactly. And the angels come and purify his lips, mm-hmm. and then here I am. Send me. It's like now right. I'm ready to. And there's no. And like you say, the obedience is out of love, and he, you know, he's already promised to abide, right. and they will bear fruit. So the 
in some parts of these, you know, this is this lot, this farewell address. Sometimes people call it 13 to 17 mm-hmm. and you, you see both directions of thought. Sometimes it's, yes. you're going to love me. Therefore you're going to keep the commands. And then other times it's like, you gonna keep my commands and then I'll love you. And it's like, which is it? Well, yes. Which is it? Yes. <laughs> it's all, they're all, but that's what, I mean, that's part of the beauty of even preaching and teaching and studying the word is, mm-hmm. you know, this is the angle that this passage gives right. and we don't rush to correct it f- because it makes us uncomfortable with one other chapter. You right. know what I mean? You know, when you preach 15, the abiding comes before the love. Yes. I mean, no, no, the yes. abiding and love come before the obedience. Right. But here in 14, it's flipped the other way. It's those who obey, you know, mm-hmm. I and the father come and make our home in him. Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier, um, this is just a, you know, Greek geek moment warning, uh, <laughs> but uh, um, the make our abode in him. You say it's not just dwell, not just abide, but make our home. Well, what's interesting is I would almost want to flip around and say, actually, this phrasing helps us see what abide means because yeah. it actually yes. is the same word. Okay. It's, but okay, it, it, it's, it's the noun, not the verb. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a uh, make, you know, we will make, poiesometha, yeah. monane. Our, a home, right? Make home, mm-hmm. make a dwelling, right? Mm-hmm. And then that's the noun form of the verb meno, which is to dwell or abide. But that language has become so kind of familiar, almost religious language, abide, yes. that we hear that it's like the root for that arcane English word abode, home, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. the abiding may actually huh. mean exactly this. Yeah. Like it's the word you use for uh moving in it's huh. where you live right yeah yeah well remain but again those verbs this verb somehow the make our home has that it has that hospitality register that you mentioned right which then makes me want to say i want to maybe learn to listen for that hospitality register whenever mm-hmm. i see the word abide or remain yes yes does that make sense yes absolutely. <laughs> which is definitely a johanine Theme, and I think it's in the mini yeah, mansions. Yeah, I don't think I've ever caught that before. Yeah, it's the same word back in uh, at the beginning of the chapter, fourteen point uh-huh. two. You know, in my father's house there are many mone, yes. monai, uh, abodes. <laughs> you know, rooms, dwelling places. Yes. Right? Uh, it gets translated, um, but. So that's us moving into his house. Right. This is him moving into our house. And again, which is it? Yes. <laughs> which is it? Well, it's both. That, it's it's two different that metaphors. You say it's both um, because to me they seem sequentially different. Okay. Tell me more Because in my it. mind, when I'm thinking of the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, don't let your hearts be troubled. And there it is again. It starts with the peace again. So mm-hmm. the peace really is related to a Same verb. Don't let your yeah. hearts be troubled. Um, it, because because he says I'm going to prepare a place for you to me that's what I'm that's kind of paradise that's mm. where I'm headed but then in here in 23 it's immediate I think it's yeah. not or at least after the resurrection yeah. yes right yes yes yeah yes. yeah immediate in my life at least right 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 um and so the ones the one I it seems no, to I me think that's possible. The the fir- well it says because I'm going to make it ready for you yeah and then I'm going to come again um and so it seems like two levels of abiding he and us and then us much more fully 
in the resurrection. Is yeah, that maybe. Right? I think this is, well, I don't know. I think this is maybe a deeper question to focus on when we come back from our first break. So let's okay. take a quick break okay. and come back Good. and start from there. Okay, great. That's literally all you do. Okay. All right. Okay. Here we are. So to all our listeners, we took two hours and went off and looked at a bunch of commentaries. And no, no, no. No, we literally just took a deep breath and here we are. Deep breath. Um, so yeah, we're I'm here with uh, Judy Crossman and we're studying uh, John chapter 14, verses uh, 23 through 29. And digging a little deeper and, and Judy, you asked to... A good, you put a kind of put forth a hypothesis, like maybe these are sequential and the homes in God are, is speaking of, um, yeah, our resurrection as it were, right. right? Whereas the home in us in proximity with spirit and all this stuff is what flows from his resurrection. You could say, right? Hey, Christ's first, second coming. Cause of course the, the, I will come again is always vague. Does it mean three days later or at right. the end of time? And yes. he, so the, the time registers in John are always a little, mm-hmm. I think, intentionally layered so that yeah. we don't – I'm inclined to – as you could tell, I immediately wanted to say, oh, they're the same thing from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And you were quick to see it as sequential. And I think it's – I think it's open for debate, although mm-hmm. I'm not – like I said, I just defaulted to that. I hadn't like – that's yeah. not the correct reading and you made a mistake. It was right. – you were right. like, is that right? I'm like, I don't know. I, I could see either way because it's mm-hmm. so clearly – they're parallel passages, as you identified. The let don't let your hearts be troubled. That same phrase appears in twenty seven. Yep. So these could be in some kind of chiasm. They could be just rhyming with each other. Mm-hmm. But there could be a sort of a distinction being made here about you know this. We've always we always read fourteen one and two as you know the 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 end of time. Right. You know. Um, we read it at funerals often, you know, Mm -hmm. I wonder if there's a part of me that wants to explore the possibility that both of these passages are describing both now and later. (laughs) Um, and maybe I've been over influenced by like someone like, uh, Teresa of Avila who Uh uses this language to talk about the now, right? um, though the now is not done until then. Uh So the emphasis is on the continuity because where is the home of God? Well, God, God takes up residence in the soul and this is the place that he's made for us. Cause it could be that he made the place huh. for us in his death and resurrection. Wow. Now he's made the place <laughs> and the father takes up residence now again, not fully, not completely. Although what you're saying also is so is, has to also be true in the sense that he is more perfectly in us than we are in him. Do you know what I mean? Like we're not, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's in us now, but we're not fully in him. So the, I, I'm very, I, I wouldn't deny anything that you said. Uh-huh. I'm just wanting to play with yes, and, and <laughs> the possibility. But, but it's interesting because what you're identifying, um, man, it, it, it calls for, a, for me, it calls for a lot of chewing on. I, mm. I need to, because um, I think I've thought the other for so long that it, um, it has a place in my head. Yeah. You know, yeah. and. And now thinking that if it's if it's not an invitation to what comes later, is then there something different after death, or is death 
just, I don't mean merely in a, but is it only, I mean, that almost feels like, is this all there is? Yeah. When you say that. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't require that thought. Um, in order for it, yeah. to, for it to be both. Part of it's just thinking about, so there's thinking about what's true once we've drawn on the whole witness of scripture. Yeah. And then there's like just camping out for a moment with someone like John. Mm-hmm. And it, I, John's the kind of guy, his style of writing and the way he presents the story has a tendency in my reading. Um, and, and I think I, I'm not alone in this. I'm not a total outlier, but right. to, to unite what other authors tend to differentiate. Yes. This is a common pattern. Yes. Even in narratives, like he's got, the glorification of Jesus is his death and his resurrection all at once. It's his hour. <laughs> it's yes. like, no, that's 30 hours. Nope. It's his hour. <laughs> um, not literally an hour, but you know what I mean? Um, or how Christ rises from the dead, appears to disciples, ascends to heaven and pours out the spirit all on Easter day. <laughs> you know, whereas in Luke that takes 50 days. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so he has this tendency to combine what others tend to differentiate. Um, you know, so Paul speaks so clearly and the other synoptics speak much more clearly of, well, there's what's now and then there's what's later. Right. And John, I don't think in any way is denying that. Yes. And even if he was, well, I don't know if he was, but even if he was, we would have to put him in dialogue with the whole of the New Testament mm-hmm. in terms of what our view would need to be. Right. Yeah. But in terms of he, he does sometimes, I think, is kind of speaks as a corrective because he sometimes talks about, you know, salvation is now, right now. It's happening right now. Um, but there's, I have no question in my mind that for, so I'm not saying you shouldn't read 14 two at a funeral because mm-hmm. it's also describing that. I'm just wondering if it's not only describing that. Well, what, you're saying, <laughs> what you're saying is that you can also read 1423 at right. a funeral. That's, That's right. what you're saying. That's right. Yeah. You're saying. That would be the implication is it would right. go both ways. Yes. Yes. I think so. But this is not like, I mean, I haven't worked all that out and all the kinks in that. It's just whenever I'll put it this way in years of studying John, every time I've tried to track it out on a timeline, it yes. always ends up falling apart. Right. And so at one point I just gave up <laughs> just yes. started saying yes. maybe this language is always meant to be describing more than one thing at once to kind of give us a different perspective. Yeah. But I don't think it's a, this all there is. I, I wouldn't say that's John's view, although John is written later. And so it wouldn't be irrelevant mm-hmm. that the, the, the realization, I mean, you, you have evidence in second Peter that, and even a little in some moments in the Gospels, that the second generation of Christians are realizing maybe he's not going to come back like right away. Right. Whereas Paul doesn't seem to be as attuned to that. Um, Which would be important for them in that day. Yeah. I mean, because that must have been hard yeah, the, on their faith. Thinking and the apostles are dying now. off. That's yes. clear in John. By the right. end, final chapter, it's clear that uh-huh. they've all died off. And <laughs> this is giving us encouragement that even though there are no eyewitnesses still alive, you can still have faith. Yeah. Blessed are those who, having not seen, believe, you know? <laughs> yes. 17 even. Yes. Yeah, right. For those who come after. That's and right. so it is... A, There's a lot of encouragement in this book about the fact that uh, the immediate context is the disciples are anxious because right. he's left and he's coming. He's like, I'm going to come back in three days. But I wonder if the second level context is, yes, he's left, but he is coming back. And don't worry about it because even now he's still with us. Yeah. Is this making any sense or am I just well, kind of... <laughs> well, what, I mean, what seems important to me is that um, God knows what we need. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. knows what we need. And he knows that we need 
both understandings of scripture. Yeah. You know, because there are moments in time when we just, when we just plain have to know he's here and he is, he is absolutely here in a greater fullness than we will understand Mm. until our resurrection. Yeah. Yeah. And there are times we need to know that this is not all there is. Yes, that's really good. That there is. <laughs> that's um, really good. There's a hope of something beyond what we can see, uh, and and that and whether that is sequentially or whether that is currently circumstantial, right? Um, that part of what he's identifying, perhaps in this, in the way John approaches it, yeah. is that um, bottom line. He is with us and we can be with him. And that's what matters. And, and that's kind of what I was saying in the beginning, because when I've in the past, you know, just hung on to, you know, a little bit of proof texting, but you know, mm-hmm. peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I, I was making, I've always, I think, made that peace too small mm. because it's, it's, it's peace that will get me through the storm. Rather than peace that is that is grounded in in an always trustworthy and present father mm. um that's a different level of peace because it's a peace that has to do with my identity, not just my circumstances, yeah, 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 I think I'm tracking and i see I see how you're able to it's fun watching your mind and heart move to that. Cause it's like all this stuff I was geeking out on with you about the chronology problem or question yep, yep. is all kind of just the context of kind of having a richer under sense of what peace means, mm-hmm. the peace that he gives. And, and like you said, at the end of the day, uh, you, you could almost say that both of these senses mm-hmm. are present in this passage. Yes. And some of us are going to need to hear one. Some of us are going to hear mm-hmm. another. You know, some of us need to hear both sometimes to know, don't, you know, as teachers and preachers, we need to remember that all our people, some might need to hear this, some might right. need to hear that. And just because we really need this doesn't mean all our people need, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that kind of multi-layered way of reading scripture is not in, intended to complexify, but actually to deepen the simple statement that the peace I give you. And, and then he's very explicit. Yes. Not as the world gives. That's right. So, but he doesn't, well, he's not explicit. He's explicit in making a distinction between worldly peace and his, which I heard you even hinting at maybe one level of it is coming to learn that simply like just getting through the day is actually kind of more the peace the world would give. Right. That the kind of peace that, that well, Christ gives is w- way better than just, you know, you know, grinning and bearing it. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, the, and the, I think, I think too often peace in, from a from today's from the world's kind of sense, peace means I'm not in pain. <laughs> but, but what, it makes pretty clear that's not the promise, <laughs> right? Exactly, it's the opposite. I mean, right. It's like in the and so as pain occurs, oh I, I am not. Um, I am not lost. Hmm. I am not um, crushed. You know, I'm not. Uh, destitute because I, I am his and he is mine. And there's something bigger going on. It, it, I mean, for me, one of, one of the things that is most, um, I don't know, kind 
about mm-hmm. this passage is that Jesus took the time to tell his disciples this. Yeah. He, he, he spends a fair amount of time preparing them for his departure, which is, I mean, if, if I were there and I watched him die, I would have been utterly devastated. Mm-hmm. It would be impossible for me in that moment to understand that he was actually doing what he's saying here, leaving to come back, leaving to start a new order. And it's an order that none of them knew anything about. Yeah. We've gotten to, to be taught about this new order since we were babes, if we grew up yeah. in a faith family. Um, but for them, the new order was completely foreign to anything that they had ever imagined. And so he's using a lot of words to say, mm-hmm. you're going to remember this later. That's great. And right, it's right there in verse it. 29, yeah, says right? It. Yes. I tell you before it comes to mass that when it comes to pass, you may believe, which of course implies... I'm not expecting you to even be able to believe this until it happens in a way, you know, and that's just good prophecy. It's like if you, you know, Mm -hmm. if someone said they predicted it, but they didn't tell anybody, well, how do we know? Right. So, but I think it's deeper than that. It's also what you're saying. It's lodging these words in his heart. Mm -hmm. They, he knows they're going to scatter. He knows they're going to be afraid. Their hearts will be troubled. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, he, and there's a, there's, there's judgment in that, but there's more grace than judgment. There's mercy and grace that says, I know you'll come back because I'll right. come get you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you'll be my lost sheep and I'll gather you back into the fold and I'll, and the spirit's going to remind you and you're going to be like, yes, you did say that this was the plan all along. Mm-hmm. So he's not, it doesn't really berate him for not getting it. No. Um, you know, but he needed, he wanted them to be, this is the eyewitness thing. He wanted them to be there from, with him from the beginning, but he didn't expect them to understand from the beginning. And that I think, although we're not in the situation of the apostles, there's an element in which we're, the gospels imply that we should see ourselves like apostles and that we are often in, right. in seasons of life when he's offering us a promise that we can barely believe, let alone understand. Yeah. Right. And, um, but he offers us these words to cling to so that when, you know, so that when it does come, it'll deepen our faith in him, perhaps. And the words will be within us. Hmm. He will have already put them there. <laughs> so, you know, to pull back out, to uh, to remind us. So the words themselves won't even be new. Yeah. There's another thing that just it says that he'll remind us, yeah. right? The spirit, yep. right? And that and even the words are not his. They're just the father's. This yes. goes back to that. It's all, it's, it's all really all three always. Mm-hmm. Um, Go ahead, another say. thing that he, that is a kind of, I think is interesting is that the whole sense of, um, we will make our home in him and then go back to the beginning, you know, that conversation we were having. Mm-hmm. They're, they're getting ready to, to be dispersed. Yeah. Huh. They're getting ready to leave what they're getting ready to leave their homes and many of them to be sent out and to run from and to flee. And so for God, it, it, it's from the beginning of time. And, you know, in Genesis, it's like he, you know, he worked for how many days getting the nest ready before he brought us into the nest. All of all that we huh. would need was provided. And and here again, um, he identifies the significance of a home for our souls, 
um, that the abiding with the uh, dwelling with so that wherever we are, he is our home. He, we are not, even when we are dispersed, we are not alone. We are not hmm. on our own. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about that, though. but I mean, it's so obvious, right? Cause it's even references the father who sent me, right? And he'll later talk about how I'll send you just as the father sent me and the spirit, you know, like in Luke and Acts, when we think we hear spirit, we think mission, yeah. right? And it's like, it's so clear as you say that, 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 you know, that there's a kind of like, one way of reading all five of these chapters is anticipating that great commission, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. but more you could say from the inside than from the outside. I mean, even mm-hmm. like a, a, a Augustine and others famously said that, you know, the Matthew, Mark and Luke present the, the act, the act, you know, Jesus life from the point of view of the active life. And John mm-hmm. presents it from the point of view of the contemplative life, you know, yeah. and he's, and he'll say more, the, the synoptics focus on the ex- external you know, mm-hmm. the exterior and John focuses on the interior, you know what I mean? And, he, and they're both valid. You have to have both. Right. Right. And but I just thought of that to say that you could almost see this as a description of the interior what, life. Yeah, the interior life in light of mission, you right. know, cause it's not talking all about, you're going to go to all these places. And there's some references to persecution in 16, but it's still very, and even the fruit, if you, if you pay attention, the fruit in 15 is about making more disciples. Right. But it's all very subtle. It's all just little seeds he's planting. He's uh-huh. not laying it all out. You're going to go to Jerusalem right. and then Judea and then the ends of the, you know, like uh-huh. it doesn't have that geographical clarity that Luke g- gives us. But of course, that's all after the resurrection. This is kind of, this is painting a picture of Jesus sort of preparing them, like you said, preparing their mm-hmm. hearts, their inner life for what's going to be. You know, a rewarding but really challenging, you know, season that for them will last the rest of their lives unto right. pretty ignoble death for right. most of them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which, of course, the author of this gospel is quite certainly aware. <laughs> so yes. I can't, I, I, I couldn't imagine that he's not even maybe even having that on his mind more than I ever realized till you said this, mm-hmm. this kind of preparing them. Um, because there's a there's a long tradition of kind of saying like that a lot of the words of Jesus and John, but especially this farewell address, feels more like the stuff he would have said after the resurrection. <laughs> yeah. And and John, of course, is a good stylist. And you know, after death and resurrection, you don't want to have f- four chapters of red letters. <laughs> so nice. he kind of puts it here to kind of um, and to get that double meaning of death and resurrection and uh, first and second coming, but. And that tradition is behind the lectionary's choice to put these passages in the Easter season. Yeah. Um, and it's like by putting them there, we're not saying that's when he said them, but we are saying th- this, these are about the life between Christ's first and second coming. That's what, that's what these words are for, you know, mm-hmm. is what it's like to be, to bear this mission. You know, he sent us and there's hardship that's just inevitably entailed in being faithful to his mission. And he doesn't promise that there won't be hardship. He promises that you will have peace, you know? Right. And like you said, not as a world give, which is just the absence of pain, but right. it's precisely peace in the pain because the father is present. So it's like you said, peace that's not rooted in the situation, but peace rooted in your identity, I think was your words earlier to quote Judy to Judy. But. 
<laughs> I wouldn't remember, so that would be good. Um, well, I'm a freak. I'll always remember every little word. <laughs> so, but, but, but look, John, how much yeah. um, in 26, this is what we were kind of playing with, but mm. because the Holy Spirit will remind you of everything I've said to you. Right mm-hmm. there it is. Yep. It's, it is uh, a reinforcement that these words I'm giving you now uh, because you're going to need them later. Yes. But you don't have to remember them. Mm-hmm. I will, the Holy Spirit will remind you of them. And even that is a word of comfort. Yeah. This is, this is not, I mean, this is such a passage that is not about duty, but it is about care for them. Mm-hmm. It's about preparation for them. So you're saying the navigators are wrong. We don't have to memorize scripture. <laughs> Just kidding. Yes, I'm kidding. Do. <laughs> That's our way of cooperating. But yes. maybe it's a way of saying that memorizing scripture is not the end in itself. The right. point is we're making it, we're cooperating with yes. the work of the spirit to remind us. And I've found that like the scriptures that I've, internalized and or memorized. I don't do a lot of straight memorization. It's more just spending time with it. And I remember it, but, um, that gives, I, I was kind of joking. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, but the, the, when I'm in prayer without a scripture open, the phrases that come to mind are often the things I memorized as a kid, right. their song lyrics and their passages. I've spent a lot of time studying. So they're there. Certain phrases come to mind, you know, and and we, and the, but I don't know which one's going to be meaningful. It's a reason to study the word. A lot of people think you study the word, and you're going to have some magical experience with Jesus, and often that doesn't happen while you're studying. Yeah. It's often you're loading up, right, so that he has stuff to work with when it's time to talk. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and and what you just said, I think, matters. It's that he has, um, he has stuff to work with when it matters because he will he will give us if we're listening, he will give us direction in a sense and. And these words, mm-hmm. but if we've already memorized them, mm-hmm. then it's not an impression, but it's words. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, yeah it's that's not good. merely a sense that God means this, but with the memorization, then we God God has a language that yeah. He's speaking to us yeah. with, which which makes it easier for us to receive. Yeah. So again, He's caring for us. He's providing. Yeah, it's as though the scriptures are the this kind of this divine human language yes, that he's yes. inviting us into as a place to meet between him. Um, mm-hmm. It's an abode, as it were. It's mm-hmm. a kind. It's a kind of home in which we yeah. meet um, with him. Yes, because he also says in fifteen that his words will abide right in us. And in eight chapter eight, mm-hmm. he says that. Um, in chapter eight, it's if you let my words abide in. Let me, I'll just look instead of yeah. guessing because <laughs> it's good. good. Yes. Um, if you let my, my words abide in you, if you keep my, I know there's a word bit in six, seven. Yes. Seven. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then chapter eight, verse 30 ish has it the other way around where it's, if you abide in my word. I just say that to say that the which one goes in which is always he almost mm-hmm. John almost always has the opposite statement <laughs> somewhere in the book. Yeah. And I just love that about yes, him. Yes. You know? Yes. Like when he says, I think, you know, in one chapter he says, you know, you will not ask, uh, you will not ask 
me, you'll ask the father. And the other book times and the other times it says, Oh, you'll ask me and I'll uh-huh. ask the father. It's like, which is it, dude? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 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 <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is both. It is yeah. Um Thanks be to God. Yeah, yes, thanks, thanks be, be to God. God. Um But I only mention that to say that the the there is a it's wild how much there's an emphasis on the words here. Yes. Um and it's self-referential, right? It's the words are these are the words. I mean, yes. It's so creepy when I, this happens often when I study John, but it's, it's happening to me now when I get this little like tingle in the back of my neck. I'm like, whoa, we're like, we're, ex- ex- we're doing the thing he's telling us to do. You know, like we're, we're applying the scripture by studying it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the, yeah. You, with most books in the Bible, there's a few other exceptions. Uh-huh. Some of the prophets have this same vibe where you're, you know, you think like, okay, you exegete. And you interpret a little bit by bringing, and then you get to apply it, and you sometimes realize that, whoa, I was applying it just by doing just that. By doing yes, that was the act of obedience. Yeah, yes. that's the contemplative act. Yes. Of the, like uh-huh. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you don't get off your butt and do something, you have not applied this scripture. Right. right. <laughs> but with John, sometimes you've applied it just by paying attention. Yeah. Well, I've never thought of that. Because <laughs> just words, 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 right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, it isn't just. It's not think about my words. It's keep my words, 24, right? Which implies, and you know, obedience. 23, 23 has it too. Well, See, so twice. 23 is obey, keep my obey word. my teaching. Yeah. So the the original there is this phrase, this this verb, um, tereso. And it's it's the same one used in John 17 when, he's, when he asks the Father mm-hmm. to keep them in my name. And it's a, it's a, you know, it has this kind of Aramaic Hebrew background. To keep the word of God, which always has this double meaning of remember, uh-huh. keep it in mind, keep as in obey, you yeah. know, keep yeah. the Sabbath, right? right. Sabbath keeping. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so it's a kind of Hebraism finding mm-hmm. its way into Greek, mm-hmm. but then also keep as in protect, because that's why we keep the word is it's protecting us and protecting the community. Yeah. So it's got, it's got the layers. I, I, I'm not, I, I'm not intent i wasn't going out of my way to like bash on the niv there it's just (laughs) it's one of those things where obey is nice Mm -hmm. but then you miss sometimes the keeping yeah i I just like that language of Uh keep keep my word because it implies so many layers for me you know and there's another word for obey so if you wanted to say obey you could have said obey you didn't you said keep you know all right okay that's good that's that matters yeah i don't know it so definitely includes in, obey, and that's the heart of it is obey. But I, I just I like the so twenty three and twenty four would read better. Keep I my so. teachings. I would do keep. Yeah, both places. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's Teresa, Tere. I'm checking it now to make sure I'm not making an assertion that's not yep. grounded in reality. Uh, and was there one more? Those are the two that I see as obey. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I'll keep. And then that's that same verb when he talks about, Father, keep them in my name, John 17. So it has this beautiful kind of, like I said, this Old Testament background of keeping the commandment. Because it's about faithfulness to the covenant. It's not about just, obedience is fine, but it sounds like a command. You're over there, you give a command, and I 
obey it, carry it out. That's fine. But it's so much, the intimacy is so much closer, I it's, feel, with keep, keeping. It's child you know? versus employee. <laughs> right. All right? Because right. if you are the, the, the child of the farmer, you keep the farm. You do whatever you it needs to, to be ready. If you're the hired hand, you mm-hmm. do whatever job you were given for the day. Yep. Yep. That's good. That's good. That's really helpful. From slave to child. Because I was right? like, yeah, uh-huh. It, yeah, it absolutely is a movement from... Huh. So it entails obedience. It's not. Oh, absolutely. It's like, you know. It's a higher form of obedience. That's right. 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 It's like, you know, honor your parents. I mean, I grew up on a farm. And when when mom and dad were gone, like they Ah. went away for, you know, they went on a long vacation in the summer one year. And my brother and I kept the farm. That's the verb that you use for what you did. And the kids that worked with us, the minute they were done, they were on their motorcycles and out of there but for john and i it was like okay is everything done and, and oh dad didn't say this but you know what it's raining it we've got done. to take care of that so yeah. keeping included the discernment of what else needs to be done right which fits because he only gives one command in this whole yes. section love one another yeah which means wow. you discern what that looks like i mean that's gonna have and the keeping of that yes will take us a lifetime that's right mm-hmm. that's right oh man that just that wasn't that was a fun little yeah twist I like huh. that. That's helpful. That image of keep the farm. Yeah. That's the, that you, that was even the verb you well, use or. Well, he uses it so often. Okay. Yes. Keep the farm. And I that know, means. We didn't use it then. But, all but the things it would take. It all the things it would take to keep it. Yeah. Which means keep it from trouble. That's the protection, but yeah, also absolutely. the obedience of the tasks given. And, you know. But then the discernment of what needs done. Mm-hmm. And just being there is also part of keeping the farm. Absolutely. Right? Like when people talk yep. about house sitting, yep. you know. <laughs> It's, you know, you're just, you're just there. Part of the point is is to just be there. And it's it's ownership. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that I'm doing God's jobs because he told me to do his Mm -hmm. jobs. It's that in his miraculous kindness and grace, he lets me join him in, in the task. I mean, it's, it's not, it's now mine too. Mm -hmm. Um, the whole of it. That, mm-hmm. and, and when we are given responsibility uh, as a form of ownership, it changes our view of ourselves. You know, in a day when so many people um, overlove and underlove themselves, mm. you know, they, mm-hmm. um, we're, you know, we're kind of arrogant folk. And yet, and yet so few people have deep confidence yeah yeah and and insecure arrogance right right yes yes but but yeah. this calls for um deep confidence in who i am because yeah. i'm his and and as his daughter uh, this is his work is my work you know and that's a good thing not a not it is not burdensome yeah because i'm yoked with him yeah yeah that's so good. Well, let's take a quick break and come back and we're already kind of brewing some sermons okay. and we'll take 10 minutes there. And or you got to go. Five you have five? I'm so sorry. Well, let's not even do the break. Let's just land okay. the plane here then. Okay. All um, right. That's already sounding sermon-esque, but so were a bunch of other things. And like yeah. always when studying scripture, there's a bunch of cool ideas, but like, let's say we're, you and I are preaching this Sunday and we'll, we'll work together. Like where, where, where might we go? Which of these themes do you think could be most, uh, you know, a good kind of focus point, you know, what would be the focus of a sermon? 
or a teaching, you well, know, I mean, in a classroom I, would work too. Any I, kind of I wonder cutting. though if, if it depending upon where the congregation is, exactly. Um, if it's a congregation of of brand new babes in the faith, mm-hmm. uh, it would be hard for me to not use this as a place as helping them understand the three in one a little bit. Yeah, I just it would just you know if you've got people who for whom. They don't know God yeah. at all, except now they are his child. To not introduce them into Father, Son, and Holy Spirit right yeah. now would seem like a miss. Yeah. You know, if you've been what in the church forever, it's like, yeah, yeah, I already know that. But Although well, then again. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. We're all yeah. babes in the faith when it comes yes. to the yes. triunity of God. <laughs> because this is this is one of the few places where all three are mentioned. That's true. I mean, they're that's a good it's point. right there. You can't That'd deny be, that it. That might be here. another reason why the lectionary selects it for yeah. the Easter season. Yeah. It's a good season yeah. for triunity because yeah. the resurrection is such a triune event. Father yes. raises son by spirit. Spirits yes. poured out through it, you know. Well, I mean, I'll take the bait on that. I mean, so I this is something I say to my students a lot when they ask me, how would you preach on the Trinity? I say, don't. <laughs> and they're like, what? Like, uh-huh. And I follow up and say, preach in a Trinitarian way about yes. everything. <laughs> and some things more than others, surely. So I guess the, the use, I'm trying to apply that, you know, uh-huh. apply that advice to myself and to us right now. Right? It's okay. Like, what would be like a theme that would be an entry point? Because, you know, the, 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 the drawing in for the, for the audience, for the congregation is mm-hmm. not going to be, hey, you want to know about the Trinity? The right. Trinity. You, it, right. It almost yes. better to yes. kind of trick them <laughs> into yes. it. But you could make the, the, the triune shape of God's life the kind of three points, as it were, and uh-huh. kind of sneak it up on Maybe them. Maybe it's God the provider. Okay. So, I mean, so that the provider of the, the peace in particular, maybe even. Yep. So it could peace. be a sermon about peace and talk about right. even about. Even about arrogance and insecurity, yes. you know how uh-huh. we we act like we've got it all together and we're all independent, but inside we're often fear. Yeah, is the dominant role, is yeah, the dominant emotion for most most people most of the time. Um, yeah, and so that and and that the peace that God gives, you know, not as the world gives, I give I unto you. Even even a little bit of an exploration of what that means. Mm-hmm. You know, how is how. Do we, as the world, define it? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's mostly that I uh, peace. I think for many in the world would be um, I need to be happy, mm-hmm. and and the way that many of my non Christian friends, as I watch them, what that means is I have to be entertained. Mm-hmm. So whether it's through my computer game mm-hmm. or whether it's through a cruise or whether it's through, um, you know, a, a big party, mm-hmm. um, uh, peace is, I don't even know that's what I'm looking for, but it's what drives me to all of those activities because I want to find some form yeah. of happiness, I think. Yeah. And yet this is saying, I mean, this is, I'm not, this probably isn't what you want to be doing right now. What do you mean? I mean, this is perfect. Is this okay? Okay. Yeah, this is great. Um, and and so to begin, oh man, how do you help your congregation catch that peace is a is a place of settledness mm. that that makes that allows the striving 
to diminish until it's finally gone. Yeah, that's good. You know, it's, it is, um, peace is. That settledness is really good because of the negation. He says, do not let your hearts be stirred. Yep. Uh Uh-huh. It's terasa. It's the same verb for the stirring of the waters in John 5. Good. So, and it's, and in the Greek world, there was the, ataraka was the word for stillness, being at Mm -hmm. peace, being settled, Mm -hmm. uh, content, you know? So he's saying, not that, not all stirred up. What do you see? Oh, fun. (laughs) (laughs) Not all stirred up, but, um, yeah, but at peace, shalom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I think it'd be great in shalom. And then you could do like you did, you could actually run it in reverse on the, the, the persons of the Trinity kind of talk about the spirit giving us peace within and how actually it's Jesus himself though, giving us this peace who's in us. And it's actually the father himself is in it. Like I think doing it in reverse can be kind of fun. Yeah. Most Trinity teaching goes father, son, spirit. It's nice to go in reverse Uh sometimes. And and you really just make the same point three times about just talk about peace, but no, that's so I I always, if we can pull it off, it's fun to shoot an an outline out to our, especially our pastor listeners say, mm-hmm. okay, do a sermon on peace. Uh-huh. <laughs> and your three points are the way the spirit gives peace, son, father, mm. all in us, just re- reinforcing that it's really about presence and communion, not about a perfect situation or being entertained. Right. And um, it, and it, and it comes as we keep the farm. That's right. And that's where you, and you could end, I would yes. love to end with that story, the keeping the yeah. farm, you know, and pretend I grew up on a farm and say, yeah, yeah my, when my dad was gone, uh-huh. I, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that I be, really liked that the farm keeping thing. That's really is, good. Be, well, be, because to to teach this and to and to ignore the invitation to obedience or keeping is is to not equip our people. Yeah. To to only identify this as something they are receiving. This is how we cooperate, mm-hmm. and and we find then as you know as we are. As we are discovering, we get to help him keep the farm. Mm-hmm. Um, our sense of, um, of of value increases. Our sense of hope increases. Our sense of influence increases. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we have more peace because our our soul is full. <laughs> you know, that's pretty pretty wonderful. That's awesome. That's the sermon I want to preach. Well, I'll let you go. You gotta All go. Right, I gotta go. Bye. Got people coming. Good. Yeah. 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 Well, that's it for this week. We uh, appreciate all you listeners out there. A big thank you out to Judy Crossman for uh, being our special guest this week. I had a great time uh, chatting with her. She just walked out the door uh, because she had another appointment to go to, but we really, really appreciate her time. Um, Big thanks to uh, Eric Fisher for the production work that he is so faithful and excellent at doing. And thanks to Tom Adamson for donating uh, our theme music. And have a good preach and a great week. Bye-bye.